stories from around the corner and around the country. You're listening to All the Best. Proudly supported by the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Before we get into this week's stories, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that I'm recording from stolen Gadigal land and pay my respect to Gadigal elders, past and present, as well as recognise that the area where FBI Radio is situated, Redfern, has long been a place of storytelling, strength, resistance and resilience for First Nations communities. Hey, I'm Danny Stewart and you're listening to All the Best on FBI 94.5. I've been thinking a lot about online spaces recently, and I guess my feelings about social media are mixed. I recently put parental controls on my own phone to limit the amount of time I spend on apps. I did this because I honestly feel like social media is rotting my brain, but at the same time, it's somewhere where I found community. For many people, online spaces are the only safe spaces. And over the last few days, I've seen a lot of people grieving the potential loss of the community they've built on Twitter. I guess it's complicated, and everyone's experience is different. So on All the Best this week, we're revisiting a story from Jess Fairfax that explores this complexity. The episode was produced in 2016, a time when people still used Facebook and there was no TikTok or Be Real. But the ideas are still very relevant because these apps go in cycles and when one dies, seems like another one inevitably just takes its place and the discourse continues. Wednesday evening, a balmy Melbourne autumn. I'm eating the burger special at my local. Pots and pints and wines are chinking. I'm eavesdropping on the couple sitting next to me. The conversation is tense. And what was it that you said you did? Oh, I work at a bar sometimes, but you know, to be honest, work really isn't for me. I never really felt like I knew what I really wanted to do. Oh yeah. So how about you? I work in a bank. Oh, yeah, cool. Silence. I have Tinder, the magical matchmaker, to thank for my evening's entertainment. I chomp down on my chips and silently ponder the repercussions of a culture where relationships were formed upon the initial judgments of our social media profiles. Profiles that have been sugar-coated, airbrushed, curated, ugly photos untagged and selective check-ins only at the coolest of hangouts. I've had Tinder dates where a guy actually said to me, You look so much better in your photos. I wondered what the impact these carefully curated and manipulated worlds had on our tierra firma, IRL, in real life. Like, I would be scared sometimes of people seeing my side angle. So I would sit with them in a cafe and not let them see my side angle. Because I said, no, 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 my side view is so big. It's like Squidward's nose and don't really want anyone to see that. I wondered about the motives behind the personas we portray why we chose to depict certain characters and traits, and were they even being viewed as the exhibition we intended them to be? I decided to conduct a social experiment, teaming up participants with a mystery partner, someone they never met IRL. 
They were fed a selection of their partner's posts and images, a snapshot of their online curation, from which they'd have to write a story, and vice versa. Upon hearing this interpretation of their online performance, I hoped we'd all get some insight into the motives behind why we post and how behind the screens our audience is actually reacting. Once upon a time, there was a total babe. Her name was Sukjit, and she was my future Facebook friend. We first met through fellow babe Jess, who showed us to each other through sound and screen. Will we meet IRL? Does it even matter? Who knows? She's already brightened up my world. Sukjit makes things happen. She paints with all the best, brightest colours. She knows who she is. She gets the young folks caring about their sexual health. She's got long, brown, curly hair for days, and she'll look you dead in the eye and invite you to join her in the belief... And I quote, that together we can make it a brighter place with our own two hands. Oh my God. So many warm fuzzies. My pitch of the voice is very high. That was so cute. Oh my God. That I can't believe through like a couple of photos, she captured virtually the essence of me. I'm basically hair and warm fuzzies, like, let's be honest, and sexual health. Why not? Chuck that in. (laughs) Love it. Last time we spoke about what I, from what I remember, what I wish to put out there and what kind of image I want out there. And I feel that she's definitely ticked my box and, you know, the outcome that I wanted is there. But in saying that, of course, she doesn't know my other other side that maybe my close family and friends would know. My name is Sukjeet Kaur Khalsa and I've moved down from Perth to Melbourne and I've been here for about eight months and I'm 21 years old and I'm a performing artist. Would you introduce yourself differently if you were talking in your online persona? It is, it's a craft, you can still craft. Social visibility is the way that we present ourselves to be seen by others. I've started using social media for a lot of my advocacy um, pumping. Um, And then it would have a hint of, these are my friends, I'm so cool, and like best angles of myself. I'm Jenny O'Keefe, sometimes I go by Jenny Joy, or Jenny O'Joy, and I'm just about to turn 35. I'm a lady. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, I'm a celebrant and I'm a community radio tragic. It is. It's a craft. You can still craft. Social visibility is the way that we present ourselves to be seen by I always try to be kind of upbeat, and I don't know if that comes across. I'm getting really paranoid now. <laughs> thinking about it too much I want it I want people to feel okay that they can approach me if they have questions or if if they're going through a shitty time that they might know from reading that that I I might have some understanding of what what's happening for them uh, my name is Rick Howe um, I live in Collingwood and I work in radio and I'm a DJ it is it's a craft you can still craft social visibility is the way that we present ourselves to be seen by others like a lot of it is very 
you know, image dependent. So there is a lot of stuff to keep up in terms of, you know, having a certain online image with DJing. Um, you know, and it's just about playing that sort of game, I guess. Hi, I'm Jack Thompson, aka Jackie T. That's the other side of my personality. Um, I do a lot of performance, poetry, and hip hop, and some production and stuff. The way that we present ourselves to be seen by others. It's all humour. I won't post anything unless it's funny, to be honest, yeah. Just, yeah, like a comedian, I guess. It is, it's a craft. You can my name is Jesse Giles. I'm a poet. I. Who am I? psychology graduate. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. I'm a gardener. <laughs> I like to write things. Yeah, that's me. I put something up that particularly is really important to me and I don't get any likes on it. It's really disappointing because I haven't been seen. I'm Birds, um, aka Nathan Bird. Um, bachelor man. Uh, grew up in Northern Territory, now residing in Melbourne. I guess I would like to be perceived as, um, you know, a strong hip-hop artist that has something to say um, and doesn't necessarily care too much about what other people think about that. Um, you know, because I think as an Aboriginal man um, and as an Aboriginal artist, I think a lot of the times our voices are sort of either suppressed or uh, lost in the cracks. Social visibility is the way that we present ourselves to be seen by others. Posts on social media are an extension of the other ways that we present ourselves. Facebook has extended the fields of making oneself visible in unprecedented ways. My name is Jolina Sinanen and I'm a Vice-Chancellor's Postdoctoral Fellow at RMIT at the Digital Ethnography Digital Research Ethnology. Centre. Why We Post is quite a groundbreaking project. I was doing my field work in Trinidad, talking to people about how they use social media. I think it is like an exhibition. It's like you're, even if in your daily life you're not happy, you still want to portray that you're extremely happy and successful. Like I'm living, especially my, I think the last eight months of moving to Melbourne, I had to prove to Perth, I had to prove to my family, I had to prove to everyone back at home that I am making it, I am doing something with myself. In the last couple of months when I started realising I had depression, and someone would message me on Facebook from Perth and they would say, hi, how are you going? It's been so long. I've been checking out your Facebook. Wow, you're so successful. You're doing so much. You must be so happy. Everyone must be so proud of you. And it's this whole like, you are, you know, you are doing well because of Facebook. And Facebook says that you're doing well. Therefore, you are fine. You are happy. And everyone always goes, you always look so happy. And I'm like, well, duh, I'm not going to put like an emo photo of myself. Like I'm not going to put that on social media because I don't see why I would want to share that with other people. Um, so for me, yeah, it's just a case of like, yeah, just sharing all the best stuff you can about yourself. Um, because at the end of the day, the people aren't really your friends. It's just a, yeah, a promotional tool. So everything I wrote was pertaining to this image of always... Um positive kind of optimistic so it was very calculating yeah don't want people knowing how I actually live and think mm. it's just self-aggrandizing self-aggrandizing morality <laughs> like that's all it is if I had to measure 
all the shit stuff that happened in 2015, it would outweigh all the good stuff. But yet on my Facebook profile, this 2015, if you looked at my post compared to all the other years, it would have the most, it would have the most smiles, it would have the most, like it's interesting correlation. So I know that I definitely don't want to be putting out there, mm, I feel crap, I can't get up. I want it to be more about the positive aspects of life, like... I'm really, I'm really into cooking and I'm really into having chickens and the garden and our dogs and living in Castle Mahane is pretty cool. And There's always a scepticism about what's being made visible. Be, um, they're only showing the good aspects of it because they don't want to show us bad aspects of it. Well, of course they're not. In people in Trinidadian fields, they seem to take for granted that, of course, what you bring to visibility are extraordinary things, are good things, are positive things. Why would you show the banal, boring and useless and negative things? Whereas I think here we kind of go, oh, well, you're not showing the bad things. What's wrong? I promote my my own identity, which is that I'm constantly baking and growing homegrown vegetables and, you know, have these beautiful dogs and our house is gorgeous and all this sort of stuff. Like half the time it's not. It's really only tidy when people come over. <laughs> <laughs> idea is if by projecting a norm of these are the good things that I'm living and these are the good things that are happening to me I would start to feel that way and kind of you know embody that feel better to be able to control that and to be able to make everything look like it's really good because if it's not at least you've got this online world where everything is cool we live in a fear of chaos and disorder Yet our planet is constantly hurtling at a million miles per hour into unknown anarchy. As much as we sweep and mop and dust and put our clothes away, the kitchen floor finds a way to gather old coffee beans. New clothes pile up on my bedroom floor, hair in the shower, dust on my windowsill, entropy is always increasing. But through the curation of our online identities, we've found a platform where for once in our lives we can actually control the elements around us. To the most finite detail. I guess, I guess we're portraying the way we want to be. Does it make you feel better when you post these things of a tidy house? Oh, totally, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I got that corner under control. Snap. <laughs> What would happen if we showed our reality? Our dirty houses, our baggy eyes? It would be really boring. Like, there'd be a lot of me laying on a brown corduroy couch watching episode after episode after episode of House MD, which is on Netflix, eight seasons. I'm about halfway through season three at the moment. Um, There'd be dishes in the sink. There'd be... You think people would be thankful for showing a reality they know too well? Normalise it? Or maybe wouldn't like it? Maybe we go on social media to pretend everything is glossy. Well, ma- yeah, maybe social media is a bit of escapism. I don't know. But what does that say about us? There's a very valued and valid aspect of visualising um, one's positive aspects of life as a way of striving towards, you know, acting, becoming and acting, becoming embodied. I'm so busy in my nine-to-five job that I can't be creative um, or follow some of those passions in the real world, but then be able to do it online. So that's sort of cool. Well, that's what I want my life. I hope that 
I can do that stuff more in my life, not just online. I want people to see, uh, you know, what I value and, and, and who, that, who I am, uh, especially as, uh, you know, a proud Indigenous man. Um, I definitely want to try and, I guess, create this positive perception of Aboriginal people. And especially now that I'm a father, uh, that's really important to me. Um, you know, it's really important that that people see uh, the beauty in you know Aboriginal families and and like the pride. A social visibility is the character we want to be seen as and inevitably be. Facebook just allows us to build them up post by post, picture by picture. And you can manipulate the images and put a filter on it and take the bags out from under your eyes. Oh, it's magic. Yeah. <laughs> And if you take the photo from up high, chins disappear. They're just gone. It's the best. <laughs> you have an avatar, in which you know you have a, a photo, which you can <laughs> make sure it's the perfect angle, and you know you can create how you want people to perceive you. Facebook has extended the fields of making oneself visible in unprecedented ways. But what about authenticity? The character you portray, that's your social visibility, but is it your true self? We have been very cautious about using authentic and authenticity um, because, again, of the connotations of a, this concealment or denial of a true self when we would argue we have never had true selves. We have characters, many of them. Everybody has their own persona. Like I remember in high school there was a guy who would take photos of his poo. Like that was pretty real. But then again, he was probably also um, doing that for his weird persona. We would argue we have never had true selves. There's, there's always been a desire for social visibility as in to be seen in a certain way. It's totally self-serving um, and it's all just about yeah, portraying the image that you that you want to have to your audience. But yeah, you're just trying to sort of, yeah, just promote yourself. You're just trying to big yourself up. You know, it's ego or it's like wanting attention sort of thing. Um, I guess is what it boils down to. Of course, what you bring to visibility are extraordinary things and good things and positive things. Why would you show the banal, boring and useless and negative things? Whereas I think here we kind of go, oh, you're not showing the bad things. What's wrong? Perhaps our culture has prescribed an idea of authenticity, that being the opposite of positivity, showing off those selfies and self-promotion. Our constant performance on social media is in direct contrast to this idea, making us wary of this so-called fakeness, when really there has always been a desire for social visibility. And in fact, it's just an extension of our many selves, authentic in it being our own curation, authentic in it being the person we have chose to strive towards being authentic in it being our social visibility. Acting, becoming and acting, becoming embodied. A lot of that curating to show positivity. I think if we really deconstructed that, I would say that a lot of people are doing that for themselves, not to show off to others. I'll be sitting in bed one night and I'll be really maybe feeling a bit down. I'll go to my own Facebook profile and I'll stalk myself. I will stalk myself and actually see, oh, 
you know, oh, oh, you know what, actually, I'm pretty hot. Oh, I actually, I'm really great. I'm doing all these cool things. Um, you know, I'm a pretty great person. And it's funny how I have to go to my Facebook profile rather than my memory bank or my photos in my albums or, I don't know, my memory box, physical things instead of this online thing where it's like a little storage unit for good times. <laughs> it's just down to insecurity, just, just normal human insecurities. Everyone, you know, is, is more fragile than they let on and social media is a good mask for that. It's a good way to portray yourself in a, in a light that's, you know, a more, a more positive light than perhaps is realistic. So, yeah, I think, yeah, just, just basic human insecurity and then having a tool at your disposal that can, that can change the way you look to other people is, like, yeah, a big thing for people now. Self-deception's so easy, you know what I mean? And it really works. And it's just a complete, you know, a way to delude yourself into thinking you're living a different life. There's a very valued and valid aspect of visualising um, one's positive aspects of life as a way of striving towards, you know, acting, becoming and acting, becoming embodied. And then I suppose in some ways it can hold you accountable to that too. If you're going to post heaps about activism, then are you actually being active? When from our research, we found that very, very few people are inherently, their personalities are show-offs. So, um, yeah, I think so much of what we put um, on social media is, yes, it's to show others, but it's also, to a large extent, to show ourselves who we are. So perhaps we should be a little more forgiving of our curation, accept it as the persona we strive to be. But are we curating unrealistic standards that we can't actually live up to? To have this idea of me as always being like, you know, full of integrity and fair and stuff like that which is what I want my posts to be about or my art to be about and it was just so draining um, to then turn around and try and be replicating art like making my life what I'd made a conscious decision to create this character so I wasn't like allowed to give myself like down days where I wasn't working or days where I was just an asshole, you know like you know, the mirror, and the mirror being this, uh, the, uh, you know, the metaphor of the mirror stage, where you, where the, the child sees themselves in the mirror in the first time they recognise themselves as an other, and then what happens in, you know, one psyche is that the mirror always represents this idealised eye that your actual eye can't live up to. So maybe we'd rest easier acknowledging Facebook is not a mirror, but a vision board of how we want to be seen, a place where we can control the chaos around us, acknowledge that it may not be authentic, whatever that is, it's just another character in our desire to be seen in a certain way. We've gone through sort of an emotional spectrum of putting ourselves out there and curating ourselves to somewhat unrealistic standards. I think we're maybe starting to post in a way that is much more kind of, you know, self-forgiving and, and, you know, well, it's a good things. Yes, it's a good things, but that's not all we are and that's not all we have to be all the time. So these online personas we've portrayed, are they not just an extension of our many selves? Proof in the pudding that there is no one true self, that authenticity is perhaps a social construct prescribed onto us, so therefore impossible to achieve. Our personas derive from our desire to be seen in a certain way, our desire for social visibility. But are our desired selves even being read as we intended them to be? Let's get back to those stories. Ooh.
looking up peach bellini recipes, and planning a tiramisu test run. Dang. I love this time of year for food wanker. Together we can make it a brighter place with our own two hands. Our Xmas tree is better than yours. We made it out of dead plants by the Yarra River. And yet, that's Big Daddy Kane on top posing for Playgirl magazine in 91. Inspiring sexual health and identity. Life goal, become a full-time rubber dad. My family and rap music. All I need, all I need, all I need, all I need. reasonably fairly alternative with the dreads and all that i don't think he would have had too many office jobs in his time um yeah artistic um you know left wing greeny yeah fairly typical young man from coburg <laughs> it's the morning of rainbow serpent jack has just finished his morning yoga routine of stretching and mindfulness meditation he's cooking what could be his last proper meal for three days poached eggs on toast. He's packed his festival belongings into the same backpack that he used to travel India last year. He's packed a notebook and pen instead of a phone charger, choosing to spend his weekend at Rainbow Serpent putting his thoughts down on paper rather than staring at an Apple device. <laughs> Um, I used to live in Asia, so I guess the Asia element's correct, but it definitely wasn't for spiritual reasons. I don't go to festivals at all, really. I do like eggs on toast. And I do have morning rituals. I'm very pedantic about that, I guess. Um, but my... D yeah. No, I don't know how I'd get offended by that. I wish I lived like that. <laughs> it's a bit more like... I guess soulfulness I... and purpose. <laughs> Yeah, no, good on you, Rick. Like, I, you make me sound like a nicer person than I am. <laughs> it's in, uh, yeah, interesting, I guess, like um, the self-exploration kind of thing, but, you know, laced with that kind of like you're a bit of a wanker kind of element, which I'm happy to, you know, come through pictures-wise, writing-wise kind of thing, you know. I'm always trying to pretend to be more involved and in touch than I am. Um, yeah, or calmer than I am, or, you know, more explorative kind of thing. I got enough validation out of people to know that I'm not a complete wanker, really. So, but it's great to hear that from a stranger. So I don't get a stranger's perception. Maybe I'm slowly drifting towards Rick's image. I fucking hope not. You know, if someone bought me a, a ticket, don't get me wrong. But if someone gave me a ticket and cooked me eggs, you know, I'm there. <laughs> Big Daddy came would look just as fresh in a suit and bowler hat as sprawled in his undies. He appears that kind of dude that has little to prove but a lot to maintain. Kane that is, strictly speaking about Kane. Often heralded as the man who gave us fast flow rap, the overly wordy, the detailed, the sometimes authentic, other times garish and crass. He wears masks just to remove them at will. Still talking about Kane naturally. I often wonder how his kids feel about him. Do they see a deity? To a stranger, he is regal, a shining star perch on a weltering plantation of expired thought. But perhaps to his kids, his real kid, he just wants to be like for a simplest of his traits. Tongue in cheek or tongue tied, they don't mind. Strictly speaking about whoever, that is. Uh, that was excellent. Um, yeah, I like the way 
uh, yeah, I like the way he was using talking so well. Apparently, talking about Daddy Kane, but perhaps projecting onto me a bit as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not. I wouldn't say it's too close to what I'm like in real life, but definitely a pretty good summary of of how I, you know, try to define myself on social media. That's why we do it because we do want people to sum us up by it. Don't be fooled by the lack of my locks. I'm still, I'm still Jenny with a frock. Who am I? I'm a feminist living in Castle, Maine, where my friends' names are expressive and not same-same. I don't fit the mould. I have multiple roles. Funny girl, sexy girl, domestic goddess. I'm Jenny, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. (laughs) That's so great. Thank you. Hang with me in my crib in Castle Man Inch time. <laughs> yeah, she she got what I was putting down. Yeah. <laughs> Toilet. That makes me feel really happy. And I don't know why. <laughs> How weird. It's very gratifying. Uh, I don't know why that's important to me. I don't know. That's so weird. How does that make me feel? Um Yeah, I just feel I feel good about that. I'm glad. I've been clear in my motives. Yeah. 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 It's not like it's, it's work that I've done, but I feel like patting myself on the back. <laughs> Saying, job well done. Jenny? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so strange. Maybe can Sukjit and I be Facebook friends now? I love having Facebook friends. That story was produced by Jess Fairfax and first aired on All The Best in 2016. All The Best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to Elders past and present. All The Best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal land in association with SIN and 3 R on Murundjeri, Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung lands and 8CCC on Arunda and Moramungu lands. The All The Best editorial manager is Mel Chun. Our social media producer is Timothy Nguyen. Lydia Yosefova is our community and events coordinator and Madura Prakash is our trainee. Shining Bird composed our theme music and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network and we're made possible by the Art Gallery of New South Wales and the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can listen back to our full archive of more than 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Danny Stewart. Thanks for listening. <laughs>